Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Eastead. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. Scott, how are you doing? Doing okay. I don't feel like I'm in danger of coughing today for the maybe the first episode since the election. I don't know. I I have to say, I was watching you, I was sitting in church watching you preach, knowing where the status of your throat was and that you could potentially be coughing at any time. And it was, I mean... Talk about a way to sit at the edge of your seat watching a sermon. <laughs> I was wondering, why are people so interested in this sermon? But it's like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, I think, and I think two things happened. I think people were more interested because, like, when when is this going to go, go badly? And then I think the other thing was people prayed for me a little more than usual, mm-hmm. and perhaps the sermon had a little better effect because of that, too. So mm-hmm. anyway, I was, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fake illness this next week and see what happens. <laughs> Uh, well, um, today, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and this is probably because I'm prepping for a sermon, I'm just realizing this, uh, we're in prepping a sermon for Hebrews, so when we're talking about Hebrews, we usually get to think about Hebrews, and even if it's not the passage I'm working on, I get to think about it, and one of the things that often comes to mind is uh, the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Mm-hmm. That always just comes to mind, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And one of the things I want to talk about today is um, this. that talks about a kingdom that can't be shaken, but I, f- I feel that we're constantly in some kingdoms that can be shaken. Mm-hmm. We're always in spots that um, if, you're, if you're watching the news or you're trying to stay engaged or um, you're trying to keep, keep abreast of what's going on, um, there are a bunch of things shaking. And depending on where you put your citizenship, it's either oh, that's over there, and I can be affected by it, but it doesn't shake me. It doesn't shake um, who I am or, or, or my identity or anything like that because um, I have my, my citizenship over here with the kingdom. Or you're so invested in, say, the United States of America or some other country or some, um, some cities have a, a level of, of identity or citizenship attached to them where you, I, am, I am a New Yorker or I am um, maybe a, I don't know, Portlander or, or whatever, but there are various cities that have that same, I think, identity about them. And if those things shake, you consequently shake because that's where your identity is. Um, do you have Do you have any friends or any any connections from? Well, what are some good uh, examples of cities or countries or? Well, the thing that came to mind when you were saying that is probably not the right answer. I'm ready for not the right answer. Okay, but. Uh, when you get your identity tied up in any non-permanent thing uh, and it begins to wobble, then you have some trouble. I mean, I, I, I will admit that, and all this is is admission. It's not, uh, n- there's nothing more here. There's but no I, confession, no repentance, just admission. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I should probably repent. I, I actually repented long ago, but I, grew, I was born in Texas the same year as the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. 
and was a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan as a boy. And they had some glory years, and it was all fine. And so I had gray stuff and blue stuff and white stuff, and I was a Dallas Cowboy fan until, well, frankly, until they fired Tom Landry. And then they had some um, not-so-good years where the whole organization made bad decisions, and I was done. And I just was like, I cannot, this cannot be part of who I am anymore mm. because it, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't a country or a citizenship, but it was a, an, a piece of identity. Yeah. And it was like, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And it was really easy to let that go. And my life has been a lot, you know, more stable since then. Mm. That was a long time ago. Those people who were cowboy fans know the bad years, but the uh, bad years. They, they, they're hoping still for a good year to recover from that, but they haven't really had it for a while. Well, and that's a, that's a great example. We all, we all have friends who are probably bigger Blazers fans than they are citizens of their city or, or their neighborhood or something like that, um, that in the way the Blazers are doing or the way the, um, the wins or the losses are coming mm-hmm. affects, affects the day after probably more than they want it to. Uh, or the way they interact at work, or the way they interact uh, at church the next the next Sunday, um, because there's some level of this is this is wrapped up in my identity. This is or who I'm I am. wrapped up in, I, in I'm wrapped them. up in them. Yeah, yeah, and that's a which is fine. I mean, there's a there's a place for that, um, but it it will ultimately disappoint. Mm-hmm. That's I think the thing, and it, it may be fun for a while, but it's going to ultimately disappoint. And if if it is, um, you know, if it's a citizenship, if it's a, um, uh, a body politic, it will ultimately disappoint too. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think we just have to uh, admit that and recognize that the whole question of identity is something that the Bible addresses. It's something that we have to come to grips with and say, where are we going to find our identity? Mm-hmm. And we address it at uh, Fundamental 11, and we have to address it over and over because we, we will drift back and forth. I mean, they, I'll just say, uh, we, our, our church is right across from Weston High School. Um, my friend is a baseball coach, and they won the state championship last year. I'm super excited for him, and it's, uh, I mean, the state championship is pretty cool. And so I'm all excited about being a Westland Lion, right? Mm-hmm. And then... Wearing they, your hoodie, wearing your hat. Then they up and win the state football championship. And I'm thinking, whoa, being right across the street, that's pretty good. And then this the basketball team won the Les Schwab Invitational a couple weeks ago. And all of a sudden, they're ranked in the top 10 uh, basketball programs in the country. And now I'm having a hard time being humble. You're just walking around with a swagger. But it's just, <laughs> a, you know, so anyway, it's just a, the kind of thing where if I don't pay attention to my identity, there's gravitational attraction mm. in these various things. And for me, it's sports. And for mm-hmm. maybe for you, it's politics or whatever. For other people, it's other things. A lot of people, it's their job or their family or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can get um, you can get really sideways when your identity is uh, uh, is placed somewhere else. I mean, I I will say I just uh, you know I I feel bad for my parents. My dad is a graduate of the Air Force Academy and retired military. And, um, and, and 
that is a big part of his identity. Mm. And I think, and in some respect, rightfully so, it has been his whole life, mostly. And, uh, you know, when I talk with them on the phone, there's almost always a sadness mm. about what's happening in the military, or what's happening in the country, or what's hap- what he's leaving for his grandkids, or whatever he... And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to necessarily say it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, a, a sense of, I can understand the sense of sadness, but, but the, th- the thing I, I guess that we should probably talk about is just, it's going to be that way when your identity is mm. somewhere besides the kingdom of heaven. Right. And to the degree it's somewhere else is the degree you're going to feel that way at some right. point. And so, you know, the work of, um, you know, I think the work of a pastor, the work of a church, is to cultivate an identity that transcends the boundaries of your city, your state, or country, or whatever, mm-hmm. so that you ultimately are looking for that city whose uh, builder and maker is God, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a that's uh, going to be a different um, experience when that's who I am. And these other things mildly affect me as opposed to right. I, you know, my identity is here and the kingdom of heaven mildly affects me. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just got to get yeah, that. Yeah, you don't want that relationship. Kind of got to get that squared away. And that's the work, that's the work of Christian growth or Christian formation, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a good, so we, we brought up sports and talked through those or uh, where you went to school, things like that. But I think one of the way, the places to start is to ask yourself, where, what found your identity? Where, where do you, who are you? Who do you think you are? Um, and I think one of the best ways to figure that out is what do you answer when people ask you, what are you or who are you? Where, where does your brain go? Um, and you may have an answer that you just spit out every time, but there may be another place where you go, like, I think I'm this thing. I mean, it could be, it could be your occupation. Um, I, I am, I'm an, I'm an HVAC guy for a lot of the time of the day. Um, you may say, I'm an HVAC guy. I work in the in construction, or um, I am my job. I you, I am a teacher, or I am a. We've talked about plumbers enough in this podcast, but um, that we, may we be, love plumbers. We love plumbers. We love people that keep everything working. Um, that that may be your identity. You may uh, people may ask that question of you, and the first thing you think of is, I'm a I'm a dad, or I'm a mom, or I'm a student. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but the answer to that question is going to point you towards what you think your identity is, where in, and that in turn will point you to what you're attaching your value to, what you are attaching your um, foundation to, um, and you might have a great answer to that. You may be I'm a, your your mental answer may be, you know what, I'm a Christian waiting for the kingdom, and I happen to work as a teacher, or or whatever it is, um, but it may be something less than that, and that the answer to that question is going to be helpful for you to figure out, okay, how do I need to maybe disconnect some of these or, or re-emphasize some of these? Um, you got to start with where you are because if you don't know where you are, you can't figure out how, how to get to where you should go. Yeah, you probably can also uh, tell your identity by the things that uh, either make you happy or make you sad. Mm. You know, the things that you're proud of or embarrassed by. I think those kind of things also give you a sense of who you are or a sense of identity. Mm-hmm. And I just think of what it means to be a pastor. And there are days, and I, rem- I remember as a youth pastor, it was worse as a youth pastor because mm. the cycle was so fast as a youth pastor. 
I would go like one Wednesday and there'd be a, some new kids there and everyone's excited. And the next week it's finals week or something. And there's three kids and they're all like feeling they should be somewhere else and looking around their empty room thinking this is lame. And I remember thinking, how in the world am I ever going to feel good about being a pastor mm. when I don't know from one week to the next right. if it's going to be a good week or a bad week or, you know, and essentially I was asking this question about being a pastor. Right. Is can I get my identity from there? And if I do, what's it going to be like? And the reality is it's a constant fight for freedom from seeking my identity in mm -hmm. my job or mm -hmm. in the success uh, or failure, either one, I guess, at the at, um, as a pastor. So, yeah, I think that's easy to, to say I get my highs or my lows from mm -hmm. that or uh, from you know, from your family. I know mm -hmm. so many people who, um, what do I want to say, li not live for their family, but their, um, their identities tied up in how well their kids are doing or how well they're behaved or how mm -hmm. successful they are, or what school they got into or what team they play for. And it's just really easy to go, um, a long ways over on the identity. And the, and the thing is, these things are good. It's work. Right. Work That's is key, yeah. work is good, and family is good, and church is good, and all these things are good, and that's where the temptation comes, mm -hmm. because we're tempted to say this is a good thing. We're going to hang on to it, right? And we're hanging on to to something that isn't, like you said, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's mm -hmm. a kingdom that will shake, and it's a identity, a self understanding that keeps self at the middle really mm -hmm. and i think that's right. a difference between that's interesting the kingdom yeah. of heaven and the in the kingdom that i would um create is that it keeps me at the middle mm -hmm. and at the center and if it's my kingdom and even if it's my little family if they're my kingdom i'm at the center mm -hmm. and that's where that's when i become insecure or that's when if i don't pay close enough attention to become insecure that's when things will go badly and I'll be really disappointed. So anyway, I, I think you're right to bring it up, but I'm really glad that you have like highlighted the, the need for us to pay attention to where we get our identity. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, we're, we are going to, you know, succumb to the gravitational pull of one of these other things. And because we talk about church and politics here, mm -hmm. that's probably the one we should say you know what you got to be careful of that right um, well, I'm, I'm just you, you brought up i think you in passing just said it but it's fascinating to me um we wrap our identity up in ourselves and ourselves are not you didn't say this but ourselves are not big enough to found our identity on which is which is pretty interesting and everything about the world we the the western civilization world that we live in is pointing us towards self constantly who are you who do you think you are um, what's important to you, like everything is directed towards me and I get to decide who I am and what I should be and who I will become and what's important. Um, but me on my own is not near big enough and definitely not unshakable. Uh, and I well, can't, I can't find my, found my identity there. When you say it's not big enough, I mean, what you're essentially what you're, you're doing is you're, um, creating an identity around things you have no control over. In other words, I, I really don't have control over whether my family makes me happy. Mm. I don't really have control over whether 
my, you know, there's going to be people come next Sunday or not. I mean, they're going to stay home for all kinds of reasons. I don't have control and it's fickle. Yeah. And because I don't have control and I say, that's where I'm getting my identity, then I'm going to be, um, insecure Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. um, discouraged all the time. And so, yeah, I, that's, I think the thing is we've got to come to a place where we, where we recognize, okay, what it's not, can I control it? But I really want to have my identity where I know who controls that identity. Right. You I know, can that's, trust that's the what you're getting control. to. Yeah. That's what I was pushing on it. Cause if, if my identity is wrapped up in the kingdom, I don't control that either, but I know who does. And that person is far better to be in control than I am. And it's not out of control, which right. I think is what you're getting at because right. it's way too hard for uh, us to have, uh, to be out of control. And that, anyway, that's for what it's worth. I mean, that's, I think that's important. I'm glad you, I brought it up. And so, you know, some of the, um, the discipline or the, um, the way out is just a continual effort to do otherwise. You know, I mean, as far as just what can you do about, what can, what can you do about this? I think some of it is just a discipline of, you know, reminding yourself where your citizenship lies uh, where your identity lies, how you're going to get your value, and then go back there and back there and back there and back there. I mean, I just mm-hmm. think of uh, Colossians chapter uh, 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on earth, for you've died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life, there's some identity for you. When Christ who is your life appears, then you'll appear with him in glory. And, you know, that's the identity statement, Christ who is your life. But the reality is um, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Again, identity. But what do you do? You set your minds on things above. You seek things that are above. You you actually work at disaffecting your your heart Mm -hmm. from the things that are here and focusing your affection on the things that are at the right hand of God or things that are above or wherever. Um, and there's, there are probably some other prescriptive things sure. to do, but I really think it's important that, that we t- make this part of our you know, spiritual formation so that we are you know, free from the love of these other lesser things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think even more practically, how do we do that? I just finished up a book by Justin Whitmill early um, called The Common Rule, and he had eight different practices, four to practice daily and, and four to practice weekly. And one of his daily practices was scripture before screen. Mm. Um, every day, scripture before screen. And we both shook our heads and said, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, but he had an additional layer to it. Uh, as soon as you open your screen, the world is giving you stories about how to think about yourself. And before you open that screen, you need to have the proper stories in front of you so that mm. you know to reject or um, critique or, uh, or listen to the other stories that are given to you. Mm. And I thought that was really insightful. I, I need this Colossians. I need those stories. I need to be reminded who we are um, and what God has done, who we are connected to, uh, the kingdom that's coming. I need those stories, and I need to put myself in front of them because as soon as I open my phone or as soon as I turn on my TV or open up my computer, there are competing stories that are saying, this is where your identity should be. Often those stories are going to be 
your identity is an American or your identity is probably a partisan American that needs to care about a particular outcome and it's not going the way you want or it is going the way you want and you should be um, thrilled or terrified accordingly. Uh, and it, those are the stories that will come to you and that's all an invitation to belong to a shakier kingdom foremost. And if you're not pulling in, um, putting yourself in front of the, sto- the story of scripture, you're going to get convinced by those. Yeah. Well, there's no accident that that two things have just come up in that part of the conversation. One is our identity, and the other is story. Mm. Because story is the way that we form our identities. Mm-hmm. We tell ourselves a story. And it's a story that makes sense of the world. It's a story that makes sense of our situation. And we listen to other stories. We weave those into our own. And what... Uh, I, th- I say that because I think it's really important. For, it's important for me to understand. It's important for listeners to understand that identity is shaped by story. And so when you say, you know, we have to have the right story in front of us, we do, because that's where identity comes from. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that you kind of wove those two ideas together there. And I think that we just have to again, I don't think there's anything more constructive that we can do for our own spiritual development than uh, recognize the stories we tell ourselves and intercept the bad ones and Mm. give ourselves the gospel ones Mm -hmm. so that we then are telling ourselves the right story. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I I just noticed you did that and thought it was fabulous and wanted uh, to make sure that it was highlighted. So That's good. so I, I've referenced it a little bit. I think it's worth just emphasizing because, again, I think this might be one of the bigger identities we give ourselves to um, as an American, as uh, a citizen of the United States. Uh, I would urge you to think about, yeah, th- it's great to belong to the United States of America. It's great to be a citizen, uh, but don't put your ultimate identity there. Don't say this is the all-encompassing story. This is what will fix everything, and I belong to this thing. You belong to a far bigger story. And I think the last six years, you, you can go even further, um, but the last six years have had enough shakiness to them that it should be obvious that if you wrap your identity up in there, it's going to be shaky for the rest of your life. Well, and, the, and I'll just add one other thing, because you're, you're just um, sort of raising these other things that I think are worth noting. And that is, when you do that, don't feel like you've got to merge the two stories. Mm. The, the American story and the and the you know eternal story, the gospel right. story, God's story. That's those two are not the same, and you don't have to merge them mm-hmm. to try and make sense of you know the one that's American. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you can see them differently. Right. So I'm glad that you. And that may take some time to to piece those apart and to understand where there's distinctions and mm-hmm. where there's some similarities or some influences overlap or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that comes with maturity and comes with, with uh, practice with practice. Yeah. But yeah, I do think that's one of the ways that people deal with that though, is they'll say, Oh, I, you know, I both really, and. yeah, I want, I want them to be the same and I want them right. to both have that same ultimate feel to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to, to kind of retell the story a little bit, um, Hebrew says it this way. He was talking about Abraham uh, who had a different hope, a different hope than even his own family, um, waiting for an heir to be born, waiting for a son to be born. Uh, and it says, the writers of Hebrews says, for he was looking forward to that city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He had a different story in mind and a different hope in mind. And then later in Hebrews 12, 
the exhortation, the encouragement to us even is, let, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God, our God is a consuming fire. So we have, um, one, be grateful <laughs> that the story should give you gratitude, should remind you that you have been given something good, and that the kingdom cannot be shaken. It's not, there's no um, uncertainty about the outcome of the story we belong to. It is, there is creation, there's fall, redemption, and there is restoration, and the kingdom will be restored, and all, frankly, the whole world, all heavens and earth will be, dis- will be restored. Um, and if your identity is in that kingdom, and you are, your identity is in that citizenship, the whole world can shake around you, and you're good. The whole world can shake around you, and you will be um, abnormally on firm ground compared to everybody else. And that is such a more, that's such an encouraging spot to be instead of, oh, shoot, that thing's shaking. Now I'm shaking. Oh, no, that, now that thing's shaking. I'm shaking. Oh, my job is shaking. Oh, my family's shaking. Uh, uh, my country's shaking. My, my earthly citizenship is shaking. All those things, just to guarantee to you, listeners, they will shake. Um, but put your, put your citizenship somewhere else that doesn't shake. And one of the things I think that does is when, when those other things shake, um, even something as big as your American citizenship, you can still have it in the proper context in the proper place. Um, if, if, if we go through an election and it's just shaky and horrible and um, things aren't going the way you want them to go, when those things shake, you can be concerned about them. You can, you can desire good ends for the United States of America. You can desire um, good legislation to go through Congress. You can desire that good leaders be elected. You can desire all those things but it doesn't have to be attached to your identity. It doesn't, if, if things don't go well there, it doesn't mean things have, have gone poorly with me. And I, I feel like that's the proper uh, position to have things in. Here's mm-hmm. my citizenship over here in the kingdom. Now I can look at all these other things and it actually it creates space for gratitude. I can say, hey, I like this thing. I like my job. It's a good job. I'm glad to have my job. Um, but if I got fired or the business failed, that doesn't mean my identity is gone. That doesn't mean the foundation of how I put life together is gone. It just means that thing I had that was good is no longer no longer here, and I wish it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be the same with the way you view your city or the way you view your country, and um, it's all those smaller places are no places to put your hope. Well, you you talked about gratitude, and I think that's right. We'll put yeah, Hebrews twelve twenty seven through twenty nine in the show notes just to remind you. But it also says, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And one of the reasons that we, uh, that the church worships every Sunday mm. is that we have to go back here every Sunday right. and remind ourselves, here's a story that really matters. Here's the one where we want to be part of. And, and you, when you go to worship in church, you are doing this. Right. And if you don't go to worship in church, then you're you're sub- you are subjecting yourself to the gravitational attraction mm-hmm. of all of these other stories. Mm-hmm. And so, um, anyway, I just couldn't help but notice that there is a, a, a discipline of worship here that is part of the solution mm-hmm. uh, to, to that as well. Yeah. Well, and, and to push it a little bit further, set six days of the week, we have other stories being told to us. So we come on Sunday to remind ourselves, no, this is the story we belong to. And you almost need that just to deal with the onslaught of other stories for six more days. It's not really fair, actually. <laughs> it's not fair at all. 
Well, that's why every Sunday we have someone stand up and say, the gospel's not just for Sunday, it's for every yeah. day of the week. And then we give reasons to plug into other things beyond just Sunday morning. So um, that, that happens in our church service. That's happening now for this episode. And I, I hope it's helpful in reminding you, really reminding you where the hopeful story is. Um, a whole bunch of stories promise a lot of things and they don't deliver, but we have a story that does deliver. And I think it's worth putting your identity in and um, putting the other identities to the side and seeing them maybe as gifts, but not as things that found who you are and define, uh, define who you are. So I think that's it for us. Okay. So just a reminder to everyone listening, don't forget to, su- to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big Overcast fan, so I, I subscribe on Overcast. Uh, if you find what we're doing helpful, a review goes a long way to getting it to other people. Share it with a friend. If you do have questions, send them to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com, and we look forward to the next conversation. You're going to start us off and blah, blah, blah. We're just going to do some blah, blah, blah at the beginning. Typically. Okay. You got to get the blah, blah, blah in. People love the blah, People blah, love blah. the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Don't you dare leave that in. <laughs> at the end of the episode. That would not be okay. <laughs> oh.